Hello and welcome to the Combat and Classics Podcast. This is Brian Wilson in Dallas, Texas. Shiloh Brooks at Princeton University in Princeton, New Jersey. And Jeff Black from St. John's College in Annapolis, Maryland. We are back with more of Homer's Iliad. We are in book 18. Things are getting hectic. Uh, Jeff is going to give us a summary and Shiloh... Or sorry... <laughs> the other way around. Wait, what? And, yeah, no no edits. We don't do edits. Uh, Shiloh uh, is going to give a summary, and Jeff's going to ask an opening question. Over to you, Shiloh. Yes, although, everybody, know that I would have asked the question that Jeff is going to ask. <laughs> so there's that. We just um, figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Summary is that, you know, Achilles uh, learns of Patroclus' death. He's bowled over by it, and he weeps, and he pours dirt on himself. And he cries really loudly, so loudly, in fact, that his mother, Thetis, hears him. And so she comes and she tells him, uh, you know, what, what's going on? I, I heard you cry. And he says, well, I want to take revenge on Hector. He killed Patroclus. And so, uh, and he reveals later, in fact, he wants to cut Hector's head off. Um, he also admits in that speech that he knew uh, that he would die young. He sort of reconciled himself to dying young. And this, this came up in an earlier podcast, so it might be worth mentioning. So um, a, a bit later, Iris appears from Hera and tells Achilles, you got to go down to the battlefield and you got to show yourself. Because the fact of the matter is your appearance is going to frighten everyone into retreat. Uh, and this back and forth over the body will, uh, will end, over Patroclus' body will end because you, you show yourself. Um, and so uh, he does. And the Trojans are appropriately terrified by his appearance, which is awesome. Um, and then the armies kind of go back and regroup. And on the Trojan side, um, there's this man, Polydamus, and he urges the Trojans to sit behind the walls and just like, Achilles is back, guys. We should probably just take cover. And Hector is disgusted by this, and he says, no, no, we're going to mount an assault. And on the Achaean side, you get the mourning of Patroclus, um, elaborate preparations for his burial, um, cleaning of his wounds, dressing of him in oil, and Achilles says uh, he won't be buried until I've taken uh, revenge on Hector. And um, then at the end, very famous, maybe one of the most famous parts of the Iliad, um, Thetis goes to Hephaestus, the blacksmith god, and says, look, I've had injustice done to me more than almost any other god. And the latest is this thing that's happened to my son, Achilles. And he, she asks him to uh, make armor, uh, which he does. He makes a shield and a helmet and grieves. Um, and the book concludes with a very, very elaborate and beautiful description, very famous in the, in the history of Western civilization, a description of Achilles' shield. Well, that's what I want to ask about. So uh, there's a, a short-winded and simple version of my question, and then a long-winded um less simple version. Um, so maybe the way I'll do it is I'll give a little preamble. I'll ask the short one and then I'll take a little couple pieces from the long one. Uh, preamble is, um, as Shiloh pointed out, um, Achilles knows that he's going to die. It looks like he wants to die either immediately or as soon as he kills Hector. Um, and he's also going to kill 12 Trojan youths, um, sacrifice them to Patroclus. Um, Hephaestus makes this armor and this shield for a hero, for Thetis' son, uh, whom he knows is going to die. Um, so this is a, a shield for somebody who's 
going to die. Um, and my, my short question is just, what are we supposed to understand from all the detail about this shield? 130 lines, roughly, of detail. Um, and just to throw out some pieces of the detail, it looks like the shield is the world. Its border is ocean. Uh, the first list of what it contains is um, earth, heavens, and sea. Uh, then we get sun and moon, um, full moon, by the way. Um, there are two cities on it, a city at peace and a city at war. Uh, some gods are depicted on it. We know they're gods because they're bigger. Um, so I guess my, my question is just, you know, what, what's up with the shield? Any ideas? No, I have no idea. <laughs> it, I mean, it's it, super weird. It is. It is. It's very hmm. odd. I mean, is it so, Jeff? Would you say that it's a, in some ways presents some portrait of what we would call the human things? I, I think know, that's right. Political yeah. things, and mm -hmm. you you pointed out this order, and as you were talking, it struck me. You mentioned the you know the heavens, and then you know the um, the seas, all, and then you get all the way down to to the to cities, and you get down to to individuals and good and evil and individual scenes. It reminds me in some ways, if you've ever read the creation story in Genesis, you get a very broad account of the heavens and the earth all the way down, increasing in complexity to man. And mm -hmm. man is the last thing elaborated. You know, you get the animals and you get, you know, who are not as complex as man and the plants who are not as complex as the animals. And I wonder if you get some, you know, or at least I'd be eager to hear what the ordering principle in presentation of the shield is so that we might better understand what Homer is presenting when he appears to give some account of, of I mean, of political life, of human political life in, mm -hmm. in some ways, and the human situation in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering if the principle of, of ordering, if it's a whole that's being depicted in a variety of ways, isn't um, uh, significance by omission. So let me just try out a thought on you and we'll see how far we can take this. Um, the first uh, listing at around 478, um, we're told that the shield uh, depicts earth, heavens, and the sea. And you remember back in our little Poseidon section, it was a few um, podcasts ago, Poseidon was talking about how he ended up with the sea as his um, area. And he said, oh yeah, there were three of us, three brothers, uh, Zeus got the sky or the heavens. I got the sea. The earth is in common, right? So one one area is missing, uh, you know, reasonably missing because it's the unseen area. It's the underworld. Hades is missing. Um, and my sense is that that omission um, might extend all the way through the discussion of the shield. It'd be interesting to try and dig in uh, to what extent death is really depicted on the shield. Um, but it looks like the human sphere is complete. It consists of two cities in war and in peace. And I took that to be the two human possibilities. Um, there's a whole section devoted to agriculture. Um, if the last thing in the list is really significant, um, in Genesis, of course, it's the human being that makes the creation very good, but here it looks like a dancing space is the last thing that's described, which I find, you know, really interesting. It looks like maybe life is good on the shield, um, the war, the presence of war notwithstanding. But 
my theory is that the thing that is missing is Hades, the underworld. Um, Hades is under the shield. Hades is Achilles, the guy who's behind the shield. So that's, that's, my, uh, that's my big swing. What do y'all think? So you think Achilles is Hades. Interesting. Because yeah. I thought, well, I mean, as you were talking, I thought, oh, okay, well, Hephaestus wants to present <clears throat> all of the men who are about to die with a, <laughs> with a picture of the beauty of life, of human life. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I, I, that could be an argument against what you say, because Achilles is the bearer of the beauty of life. He's, mm -hmm. he's, it's like a television that he's carrying around, yeah. showing everyone, look at this great show in which you're an actor. And so it almost makes Achilles into a, I mean, not a scary person, but a kind of, um, I don't know, a deliverer of a, of a, of a, of a message, a beautiful yeah. message. Um, of course, you're right that he's also then going to be deliverer of deathly blows. So I don't know how beautiful the message ultimately is. But as you're dying, uh, if that's the last thing you see with your dying breath, um, that's not so bad a thing. I would like to see that shield myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually don't disagree with the, order, the direction you're going in. And, and it makes, uh, I think, a lot of sense of just the way the shield faces. Achilles does not see this world. Right. He's the unseen carrying principle of the world. Right. I don't know what's on the back of the shield. Right. You know, this side down or something <laughs> might be written. Right. But um, but he's the one hidden behind the shield. And so, yeah, if you're if you're one of the other guys, you know, one of the guys who's going to end up on the sharp end of Achilles, um, you see this beautiful world and it, it might look like you should be dancing in it. Everything's good. But the truth of that world is underneath. There's this one additional thing, and that's decisive for you, right? It, well, that's death, the end. Death yeah, is depicted in the shield, too, right, at 533? Yeah. I mean, I'm using the Alexander translation, so I don't know if it's death in you guys's, but um, they reach the... This is in the kind of ambush scene of the shield. Um, they reached the place swiftly, and having arrayed the battle, began fighting by the riverbanks, smiting one another with their bronze-headed spears. And strife was joining the throng of battle and tumult and painful death, holding now a living man new wounded, now one unharmed, now dragging a man who had died by his feet through the press of battle. And death wore around her shoulders a cape crimson with the blood of men. Mm -hmm. So, so Hades, you know, I, 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 I see your point, and I think it's it's a very good point. Jeff is the thing that's missing and is under the shield, but death shows up on the shield um, and I wonder if those two aren't tied together somehow yeah. especially I mean I'm kind of confused about like um, the holding now a living man new wounded now one unharmed now dragging a man who had died by his feet through the press of battle is that is that the same as you guys' translation died by his feet that just seems like a weird thing yeah. to say yeah, another she dragged dead through the melee by the feet, right? So it's it's modifying the dragging and not the dying, I think, okay. in that case. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. In my translation, I have, and I, I just, this um, is beyond my Greek, because uh, the Greek is care, um, uh, fate rather than death. Hmm. Um, but, 
you know, I, I think this is a difficulty with my theory, and I think it's worth um, thinking about. It. We can press on this a little bit because there is a depiction of, of war on the shield. Um, there is the depiction of death, and uh, both in the sense of mortals dying and also in the sense of some kind of divinity that's participating. Um, so yeah, that, that might be a, a difficulty with associating, well, at least with the claim that um, Hades is the thing that's missing from the shield. But I, I take that these gods who are mentioned in this context around 535, they're um, second or third tier gods, right? They're not Olympians. Um, Athena and Ares are mentioned earlier. They lead the battle. Um, they lead them out to battle. They don't, it seems, participate. Um, but there's no depiction of Zeus. There's no depiction of Poseidon. Um, so it, it still makes me wonder what the principle of choice is, if I can put it that way. You know what, what else this, or, or, you know, what, what this seems to give rise to? We're asking the question from the point of view of the human being, you know, what, what does this mean to the man or the woman who sees it? What does Achilles miss? But given what you said um, just now about the absence of Zeus and these sorts of things, shouldn't we ask the question of what Hephaestus intended? Mm -hmm. In other words, he's the God who makes it, and he has in his mind, this is the thing that men should see. You know what I mean? And this is the thing that men should see on the shield of the greatest man, first of all. So it some, has something to do with the greatest man, but it's also the thing that they should see before they die at his hands or something like this. Right. And so I'm curious why Hephaestus, who himself has a checkered past, he's lame and he's been hurt. Now, this means, by the way, going back, and I thought about this the whole last podcast, he has a body, mm -hmm. <laughs> oddly, which can be maimed in such a way that he is now eternally uh, limping, which is odd because I thought gods couldn't be harmed or they were immortal or I guess immortal doesn't mean you can't get hurt. It's unclear to me how this confusing thing, but the one God who, who more than any other, I mean, certainly you notice, you know, Aphrodite's body or something like that, but I mean, you know, you really notice Hephaestus' body, the guy's limping around. Um, this is his message for mortals mm -hmm. and I don't fully understand um, why. And so I wonder if, if you guys have any thoughts, I mean, I think we should return to the question of what the shield should mean to the reader when the reader reads this. Mm -hmm. But what does Hephaestus intend? Why is he? Why does he depict these things and judge this to be the best image that he could put on the shield for for Achilles and for men more broadly? Mm -hmm. Given his own Shiloh, this is you know, that's a great question, but this is situation enough for me as it is. <laughs> yeah, my my dumb marine brain. Um, is, is like <laughs> it's a great question. I well, just no, wait, but, but I, there's a, there's a line that's going to help us though. <laughs> one question is like one good question is hard. Two really good yeah. questions is very hard. Um, no, and it's good. And by the way, this is the kind of stuff that happens at St. John's and, and places that seminar like this. You're like you're getting you're getting this great stuff, and you're like, oh man, it's a good question. And then you start to like maybe understand some stuff, and then there's an even greater depth that's peeled away, and you're like, God damn it, I got to think about that too. It's very frustrating, uh, and it makes you yearn for the Marine Corps days of like these are the three things you need to learn from the Iliad. These, you know, and here's the three <laughs> things, and then what are the three things that we learn from the Iliad? It's so comforting, um, but this will this will make you learn and grow, dear listener. I hope, and me as well. Uh, that's all I, that, and that's all I have to input because those are two very complicated questions. So Jeff, say whatever you're about to say. 
Well, yeah, let, let me zoom in with a little bit of comfort. I feel like Patroclus here. I'm going to make you drink wine with cheese and barley in it. Um, uh, 463 um, is where uh, Hephaestus says something. Uh, he's called by Homer the famous god of the two lame legs. And Shiloh is absolutely right. Homer's got real trouble in depicting Hephaestus, right? Because he, he limps, he's lame. But Homer nonetheless says, oh, yeah, his legs move perfectly well, <laughs> right? You know, he, he can't have it both ways, but he somehow tries. But at any rate, this is what he says um, in response to this long complaint from Thetis about how um, bad her life has been and how bad um, Achilles' life has been. Um, Take heart and do not let these things concern your mind. I wish that I might so surely be able to hide him far from dolorous death when dread fate comes on him as surely fair armor will be his, such that in future many a one among the multitude of men shall marvel whoever looks on it. Um, gods should speak maybe more clearly. Uh, maybe that's the translator's fault, I don't know. But uh, he's basically saying he'll get armor and people will marvel at it. I wish it didn't fail. This is, this is armor that's going to fail. This is a shield that's going to fail. It has to. And it's going to do that soon um, because Achilles is going to die because Achilles wants to die. So I don't know. It, it seems to me that Hephaestus is in an interesting situation. He's the artisan who has to make this beautiful artifact that must fail. Um, it cannot protect Achilles, not indefinitely at least. And so um, I like to think that that's at least adjacent to or friendly to this, this theory I'm spinning um, despite the holes and difficulties with it, um, that there's something about Achilles that is no longer um, human and uh, something about the shield that is no longer really a shield. <laughs> it's not really there to save the life of the person who's behind it. I mean, my head, use the word artifact, um, and my head goes towards something of the creationist impulse in humans right whether it be like the act of producing children which seems to be something that we do a lot um in terms of let me create something that's going to be around after i'm gone or artists in general like i'm going to create this in the hopes that even though you know i'm not going to be there somebody else will be able to see it you know down the line um and that, you know, especially as a, as a poet, right, Homer the poet, um, on some level, is trying to do that, right? And so depicting these glorious scenes um, as something that will live beyond them. And I, I always hate giving that. Like, the, I, I, I mention this occasionally when I'm talking about art, and I always hate that explanation. Um, but, you know, it's probably true to some degree, yeah, I think it is. I mean, that's that's the the right explanation, and and maybe there's um, an indication of what the scope of art is. Art can give you the world, the whole thing, and it can tell you maybe some uncomfortable truths about the world in giving you the the whole thing or a depiction of the whole thing. I mean, one of the things that strikes me about the shield is that I think no gods are mentioned in the peaceful city. Um, whose activity, by the way, is dictated by a murder. 
right? The gods are only mentioned in the, in the warring city, and it's either because they're participating on the battlefield, the lesser ones or the, or the greater ones are leading the people out into the military conflict. And so that, to me, suggests that one of the um, subtle artistic um, uh, communications of truth about the whole is that the, the war is the fundamental thing that the peaceful city is just the warlike city by other means, and maybe the gods are not so interested in uh, rendering good verdicts. So how does this, if what you're saying, I mean, I, I can't get off of Hephaestus. Yeah. Doesn't this make him like the wisest god? I mean, is, I mean, is he a philosopher <laughs> or something? Um, more so than, I mean, you have to think, well, if Zeus had made a shield, what would it look like? I mean, mm -hmm. I'd probably have like naked ladies on it. Or, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, if, if Hera had made a shield or Athena or Apollo, it would yeah. be not this shield. It would be right. a different image. Right. And so there's something about this image. And the only thing that occurs to me is that, is, 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 is there an argument to be made? I mean, I know this is odd and I'm thinking in, in motion here, but Thetis is sort of half mortal. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. She's married to a, a mortal. That's right. She's a god. And mm -hmm. these gods, they don't, so even she, I mean, insofar as she's been married to a mortal, she doesn't really have mortal experience. But Hephaestus has been wounded the way a man has. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious whether there's something about him that makes him, gives him his human wisdom. You know, he's mm -hmm. depicting a, some human wisdom because he's been wounded by the gods in the way that men are. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? He's been thrown out and kicked out and hurt and these kinds of things in a way that gives him access to the richness of a, of a human psyche, which is itself constantly in peril. Mm -hmm. And he, his body's been in peril and altered forevermore in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just trying to determine or, or make sense of this, you know, very quickly appearing but very important character in contrast to the other gods, um, given his seeming human wisdom, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, when we've talked about Zeus or we've talked about Hera, it's always sort of the absurd, like, you know, they sleep with each other and Zeus wakes up and he's like, oh my God, and it's like a, like a slapstick comedy. But this is mm -hmm. a different situation. So who is this guy? <laughs> he also seems to be a good dude. Like when Thetis goes to him and is like, make this armor, part of me is just expecting him to kind of go, what's in it for me? Right. You know? And he's just like, yeah, no, I'll make it. I'll start right now and it'll be great. And you're just, you're, I'm confused by that, having mm -hmm. watched how the gods interact. Well, he says he has a debt to her, right? Because they took him in, he would have been exposed. I don't quite know what the logic of this is, because maybe the limp came from his being wounded, or maybe he was born with the limp. Um, and he would have been exposed as a god, which I suppose shouldn't be a problem for a god. Um, but it looks like he thinks he owes his life to Thetis and to the other naiads. And so he's going to do this for her. So yeah, that, that might just uh, be another important piece of evidence to Shiloh's theory that there's something special about the artificer god. Um, in general, people don't make tools if their powers are sufficient without them, right? Gods wouldn't really use tools, um, you know, Aphrodite's zone or belt and things like that, um, notwithstanding. Um, I am struck by another detail with Hephaestus, which is he seems to spend a lot of his time making robots. Um, he's got those <laughs> tripods that roll around, they're like little R2-D2s. He's got the female C-3PO's, right, the women who look like yeah. women, but they're made of metal. 
and he's got the bellows that um, pump on command. Um, you know, you could imagine a whole Iliad fought out by creations of Hephaestus. It looks like he has maybe an interest that the other gods don't have. Um, but I, I'm not quite sure how to square that with these other concerns, except that it does seem to me to go together in indicating he's he's an extraordinary god. You guys yeah, complicate technology. this so much. Can we just let, let's can we do the next episode on Top Gun Maverick? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I'm assuming there's bad guys and there's good guys, <laughs> and the good guys win, and that would be comforting because you guys are asking too good of questions uh, for my brain to handle all of it. We'll have to go Sorry, see Shiloh. it and report back to you. <laughs> Shelley, you were going to say something. No, I was just saying, I mean, you, Jeff points out all this technology, and so that yeah. makes you think there's a certain, I mean, it's unclear to me whether, Jeff, you mean he's defective in some way, and so he has created this technology, or whether he's trying to aid man by way of, of, techno, you know, of technology or something of that nature. I mean, mm -hmm. he, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough. I mean, my, my sense was the first thing was the direction I was headed in, and yeah. it, it was a kind of elaboration of your thought that because he's been wounded, he has access to some experience that the other gods don't. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, why? I don't know how the other gods get their work done, what work they have to do. Apparently, they send a lot of other subordinate deities, um, and it does look like Hephaestus has a, a henchwoman, right? There's Charis. I guess, who welcomes people to his house. She's not mechanical, but uh, it looks like he could make as many mechanical helpers as he would like. Yeah, he's more like man. I, so the mechanical thing, you're saying something like, he's more like man because he's defective, mm. and he's looking for a way to even the stakes with the other gods or something like that mm -hmm. um, by mm -hmm. way of these robots and other things. The way man is not a god and technology is a way of evening the the stakes and prolonging mm -hmm. life and, you know, creating awesome warfare and protecting oneself from the elements and these sorts of things. And so maybe he knows what the human world feels like. Yeah. Um, that it on the, you know, on the surface is worth dancing about, right? It's a good world, right? It has yeah. a kind of wholeness to it. Um, but uh, there is this difficulty underneath uh, he, his difficulty is underneath as well, right? Uh, he's he's really well built, waist up, right? He's an enormous right. guy, we're told, but the feet are not what they should be. Um, so so yeah, maybe he just has a, a particularly privileged insight, and he can somehow, in the way that Brian was suggesting, you know, artistically, just sum it up. This is what it means to live a human life. It's beautiful, right till the end. It's very curious the idea that the the peaceful city has no gods. That that's that's an intriguing intriguing little note. Like I'm reading War and Peace right now, um, and I just got to volume three. It's long. Um, it is. <laughs> I'm reading it for the first time. I've never. I've tried to read it. It's probably like six times trying to read it. This is the farthest I've ever made it. Um, but in the beginning of volume three, he's talking about Napoleon invading Russia again in 1812, and he describes it. Um, he describes it, uh, and they're trying to figure out the causes, and like, you know, and he says, and, and consequently, he goes through all these causes, and he says, and consequently, none of them was the exclusive cause of the event, but the event had to take place simply because it had to take place. Millions of men renouncing their human feelings and their reason had to go from west to east and kill their own kind, just as several centuries earlier, hordes of men had gone from east to west, killing their own kind. Um, 
it's interesting. It's interesting that the the shield without the gods has people peaceful, um, and that you know it is the gods that lead them out to war. It's almost as if we're saying like, well, this doesn't make any sense from a rational, you know perspective and so it must be some kind of supernatural force that drives us to this um but that might just be us not being able to realize that no this is we we do this too like this is unfortunately part of the whole ball of wax it's part of the whole shield it's on the yeah, shield yeah. for a reason well who, who knows whether uh, homer and tolstoy would see eye to eye on this one they might be diametrically opposed to one another be a good convo we'll we'll write that as our our fanfic uh series <laughs> after this we'll go book by book for war and peace and we'll have content out until about 2032 <laughs> um, and then we'll do our fanfic series of tolstoy and homer talking um we're about at our time great questions guys my god i i feel very fortunate getting to do this stuff with you guys um that's that's book 18 uh dear listener we are at combat and classics on the socials combat and classics at gmail.com um, you can donate through our website if you want to uh, to keep this kind of programming free and it's always going to be free but you know if you just wanted to send us some some cash anyway to help with the help with the bills uh, we appreciate it Casper has not called us yet um, which is why I got into the you know art, podcast art making I'm just waiting for that ca- Casper you know I don't care if people listen to this when I'm dying I'm just waiting for that Casper check <laughs> <laughs> just just cash in on this i do this joke a lot in person you guys can steal this by the way if any if, if you mentioned you know <laughs> hey i do the podcast and i'm like i'm just trying to cash in on that military classical literature podcast niche yeah, you know yeah. like it's a everybody's it's it's that's i mean that's where everybody's going you know like that's where everybody, politics who cares about politics let's talk about some homer <laughs> current events there's no money in that uh anyway <laughs> Thank you, dear listener, for listening to my bad jokes and uh, Jeff and Shiloh's thoughtful analysis. Uh, we hope to hear from you again, or hope to you turn in uh, next week. And thanks again, Jeff and Shiloh.